Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Hi, Road to Growth listeners. Today, I have Stephen King. Probably not the Stephen King you're thinking about yet. Even though his books might not be scary, what he talks about, what he finds out from his clients can be scary and how much money they're losing because he is the founder and CEO of Growth Force. Thank you, Stephen, for being here. Benny, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, I know. Of course. Uh, yeah, something that people always love to talk about is uh, their numbers, their bottom line, accounting, the <laughs> stuff that's really riveting at parties. Yeah. So tell us a little about Growth Force. So Growth Force is an outsourced accounting department on the web we do outsource controller book management accounting bookkeeping services and what we do is we take our 35 years of advice to help you not just grow the top line of your business but more importantly to help you grow the bottom line i've been doing this for decades and that's the challenge with that american dream right you work really really hard and then at the end of the year you look at it and say wow is that that's it got to yeah. be a better way the um so where did this idea come from i mean where did you grow up were you always counting your pennies got a, got a dollar go okay i can just spend this and that how did you that know, work out? i i'm a i'm a son of two irish immigrants off the boat from dublin and and uh cora lover county leitrim and um my dad was a city boy the accountant and my mom was a you know daughter of a irish farmer and I got the best of both worlds, Green Acres in, of, of, of Ireland. And what, um, when I was in high school, I realized that I, I really like having money. It made me feel good. And I would go every single day at lunch, Holy Cross High School. I was there four years, 12 years Catholic school. Every single day at lunch, I played Pink Floyd's Money. Boom, 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 boom. And it just, it was my soundtrack. It's like, I'm going to be good at money. That was my mental image of myself. That's the only really positive thing out of high school. I, was, I, I didn't do too good at school, um, but I went to uh, Pace University, which is an accounting factory. It's a, it's a machine. My, I, I, my senior exam, my senior year was the CPA exam. As soon as they pencils down in Hawaii, we were in the gym taking the CPA exam, the real one. And I learned... Um, you know, my dad always wanted to be a CPA, so that's why I grew up to wanting to be one, right? He 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 would have won one, except he had three kids under the age of five. And it was a cut and pay back then. So um, what I learned, though, was I, I worked for a small CPA firm in college, and they put it in 1979, they put an Apple II PC on my desk, and a computer junkie was born. And I spent the last 35 years looking at how to use technology to automate the back office. It was really fun, and I and I learned a passion for the small businesses because they need, you know, they're the ones struggling, and they, we need them to serve, make the economy grow. Um, I went to Ernst and Young and learned how to build really big accounting systems and do that automation for the Fortune 100. But my passion was with small businesses and nonprofits. I asked Amnesty if I, I'm sorry, I asked Ernst if I could work on a nonprofit, and they gave me the New York City subway system, so I quit. And just about that time, Amnesty International became a client of Ernst & Young. Right after Amnesty grew from 300%, from 6 million to 18 million in a year and a half, thanks to YouTube, Sting, Peter Gabriel, Bruce Springsteen. 
and 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 I got the job to help them put all the systems in place. So for Amnesty International USA. So so then I I was like, no, I like working for small businesses. So I did seven years later. I started a company called Virtual Growth, the first web-based accounting business over the web. We raised forty-three million dollars when Netscape 1.0 came out over those five-year period. And um, and uh, that's you know what, but it's. What I was, my passion though, was about the service and helping serve the small business owners and the nonprofits. And so I've served thousands of them, you know, th literally thousands of small businesses. And I was always blown away by how many grew the top line and were, you look at a successful business with a, you know, a building with the sign on it and lots of people wearing the uniforms, but there was no profits on the bottom line. And I got to peek behind the curtain and see all those numbers. And so I studied what the difference between the companies that are wildly successful living the dream and those that struggle to survive so that's the that's the two-minute version <laughs> <laughs> when so when you left the corporate world right because you couldn't work with small businesses like you said yep. was was that a quick thing was that a, a long process i mean long what was time. that what did that what did that look like when it's like okay i want to work small businesses I need to find a way out. How'd that go? You know, my dad always had a side hustle. So I grew up always having a side hustle. And I would do just like he did. I would do taxes, you know, and and keep people's books and just, you know, see see build relationships that over I spent seven years at Ernst and Young and I and I did that the entire time. And um the conversation though at work was you know this is this this is where my career wants to go i want to be a manager here and then you know i want to go start my own thing and ernst was great my partner was like okay i need if, I, if, if you make it to manager in three years i need you to stay as a manager for at least one okay great so after after a year of being a manager I was like i'm ready to go and he said mazel tov you know here hand out your business card to everybody you know and you'll get a lot of business from ernst and young the small stuff we don't want Oh, so they're really supportive of you. My partner was. The firm wasn't necessarily supportive. You know, you're 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 going to another CPA firm. Me. Yeah. <laughs> but they turned down the Ernst. What happened is it worked out really great because they didn't want the Amnesty International audit. They're like, we don't do nonprofits. We 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 we're, there's no internal control systems. They grew too fast. We're going to pass on the system design. We're not even going to put a bid in on the audit. So I got the job as the CFO. So it it was, it was a god thing. It was meant to be, right? It was right right at the right time the phone call came in and said amnesty international needs a new accounting system and so it was like okay bye guys <laughs> and then when did uh, uh growth force come about 2004 so I, I built this company called virtual growth in new york 2005 when netscape started and uh in i we we we, we did the dot-com you know entire ride all the way up to the burnout and we raised 43 million and then Insperity was one of our investors. Paul Savardi was on our board. He saw the power that you need a human capital management system and a financial management system working together to help a business run better, grow faster and make more money. And so he brought one part, we brought the other. Um, after September 11th, our house of cards fell down along with the buildings. Uh, Citibank Ventures was our lead investor. They shut down, Citigroup, Citigroup Ventures got shut down. Jack Rifkin went off to be a CNBC commentator instead of on my board. And, um, you know, we, Insperity rescued us out of the ashes of bankruptcy. And I moved, moved me and my family and our leaders to Kingwood, Texas, where I am now, the livable forest, Northeast Houston, boy from Flushing, Queens, makes good. And uh, 
So uh, I did that for three years, but after September 11th, when the economy tanked and health insurance costs were going through the roof, they're an outsourced HR company, their stock tanked, went to $1.99. They're like about 119 now. And um, so I got to buy it back and start it all over with no board, no investors, no corporate overlords, and uh, create Growth Force in 2005. And I've been doing it ever since. All right, so you moved to Texas. What brought you to Texas? Uh, Insperity bought Virtual Growth, and Insperity's headquarters is here in in Kingwood, Texas. It was Administaff Financial Management Services back then. They bought my company, and they okay. moved us. They they moved us to, te to to Texas. Okay, they moved to Texas, and then you said Insperity their stock dropped to a dollar. Well, well, back after September 11th, Wall Street hammered the whole PEO industry, and so. You know, they, 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 they couldn't diversify into outsourced accounting. They had to stick to their knitting, their outsourced HR business. Yeah. And it was a right decision because they've had a hundredfold increase in, in, in their stock appreciation since then. They're doing great. But it gave me an opportunity because of the market conditions to buy the company back and start it up as growth force. How, now, when you're talking about buying it back, did you have those funds already... Uh, you know, okay. this is a publicly traded company, so I can't tell you anything else except what's on the oh, okay. SEC disclosure forms, and that's all that's there. I got you. Okay, so you so you, so you buy back you buy back the company, uh, and you what? I buy, buy, I buy back the intellectual property. I actually didn't buy the company. I bought back the knowledge. I bought back the okay. systems. I bought back the methodology that was in my brain. I got you. Okay, so you bought back your original knowledge base that you've kind of already built. Now you can use it, and then from that you can build growth force out of it. Exactly. And we, we and we became a strategic alliance partner with Insperity because Paul Savardi was right. He recognized you need a financial management system and a human capital management system working together. So they've been great partners for us for the last 15 years to help fuel our growth. Now, from using your your systems before to building your systems now, right? Now you don't have other people kind of, I guess, breathing over shoulders compared to how it was before. What are some of the differences? What are some of the things that you learned from doing it now compared to then? You know, it's very interesting. Um, you know, this has been th this this past two years has been the year of resignation, right? Um, you know, it's been the most difficult 18 months I've ever had in 35 years because we all had a chance to kind of step back from the day to day, the rat race of going to work and same office and, uh, you know, two week vacation once or twice a year isn't enough for you to really reevaluate life, right? So, but we had a year to step back and say, is this what I want to do? And I think the silver lining of this pandemic is that we have had um, all a chance to choose where we want to work. And, you know, unfortunately, we were a business that was entirely focused on a culture in our office. Even though my last company was called Virtual Growth, we loved having the teams together. You're, you know, this team of six people is an account is an accounting department for 20 companies, and they and we go they, the team goes to Astros events and nobody quits. They love their team and their team leaders and all that stuff. We had 6.2 percent unplanned turnover before COVID. We lost a third, 25 percent to a third in the last year, oh, because wow. people are like, I don't want to go back to an office, and so it took us a while to pivot, but. You know the the the, and now we've we're we're hybrid. So three days a week in, all everybody's together. So we get the best of the teamwork, and we get the best of the, of the camaraderie, and you get the quality of life to be able to, you know, work from from your home. 
But I think the, the biggest difference um, is every person really counts in a small business, right? When you lose a manager, that's an, a significant part of your DNA, your, your intellectual property walks out the door. And so, you know, when you're in a bigger company, it's like, okay, next, give me that one. And so I think that's the biggest difference. Um, nobody's ever asked that question, Vinny, so that's a good one. Um, but I think, I think the, 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 what's interesting is what the lessons that we're learning right now is what is our unique passion, right? Growth Force exists to help transform lives. We had a, we had a fireside chat on this yesterday, not just the lives of our clients. You know, we do a lot of work with helping business owners make more money, helping nonprofits raise more money. That changes their life. That's their 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 quality of life and their employees' quality of life grows when your business suddenly has 15% profits instead of struggling. And but what we have found is what I focused on is how we extend that to our employees because turnover is our single most important metric of success in a service business. And um, what, what we're focused on here is recruiting for cultural fit, which is not about the office. It's not about the events or the Astros games. It's about the people who their higher purpose. If you look at the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, their self-esteem and their actualization is about helping small businesses grow. It's about helping nonprofits grow. And, what that happens is then your employees feel like I, there's a reason I'm working here. I, I, this is why I would placed on this earth is because I'm in the right spot. And then they won't leave because of $10,000 or because they you know, want an extra day working at home because their lives are fulfilled as a result of your mission and your vision and your passion. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. How did you come to this realization? Was it a... Um, a difficult one where you were losing uh, heavy, heavy, heavy turnover. Was it something that you I, kind of? Saw? I think we started it. Uh, we had it in the first ten years. I think um, we lost a lot when we went remote for a year and a half. When people were not, we, you know, we have eighteen thousand square foot office that was empty, <laughs> and um, it's hard, um, you know, to to bring it all back quickly. I think we're there now. I think I feel really good about ending the year with everyone's aligned around the mission, vision, and values. And, and we have focused on the things that help your remote employees feel like they're part of the culture. So, you know, when we're recording this, we're doing our first Halloween costume, which will have a live stream. Normally, it's just everybody's dressed up in the office, you know, trying to figure out how to play games where we're not just all face to face, you know, break in the day. What is the what is the, you know, the, the, the part that we had when we were all together? How do we make that go remote? So I'm looking for ideas on that. If you've got anybody who, you know, Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N at growthforce.com. When I'm on my podcast, Path to Profits. Um, I, uh, I'm always asking every guest, how do you change the culture from a company or an office setting to a, a hybrid setting? Cause that's that dance long winded answer your question. That's the biggest challenge we've got. And it's taken me a while to get there. Now you talk about the idea that most of your people are working, let's say three days a week in the office and then two days outside the office and they're working, they're all working the same three days, correct? Yes. Now, 
how does it feel or i mean have you came up with thoughts of basically four days of the office sitting pretty empty and losing <laughs> overhead i mean you know vinnie i i i have i have a great answer for this when i was in new york you know we had in we had a building in our building we had three floors each floor was 2500 square feet right so we had 7500 square feet downtown silicon valley we were on the on the on the map of silicon alley we were the most northern point shout out to jason calcanis the um the uh, and back in those days, I used to think, oh, my God, right? We're, people are, are leaving here at 8 p.m. You know, we, we started at 9. And, and, and everybody in New York, we worked till 7, 8 all the time. And what we did was we said, okay, listen, if you work past 9, we'll give you a car service home. I mean, we'd have 60 cars outside because everybody was like, okay, I'll stay with our And my mind was like, okay, good. I'm getting more money out of my rent. Because guess what? Rent in Manhattan, it's like, a, you know, 10 times what it cost me here in Houston, Texas. So... And I guess great here. idea. Huh? <laughs> that's a great idea. If you stay that extra hour, you get a car service home because yeah, that's huge. Everybody loved that. Loved yeah. it. And to me, it was one of the greatest benefits we gave people. It was like, you know what? I feel good about my job. My company's paying for me to sit back in the back of this town car all the way back to New Jersey. Hmm. And I, you know, that feels good then. I'm gonna do it again tomorrow. Yeah. But I think what what I learned coming here to Texas is um, you know, in New York I lived to work. And in Texas, I, I work to live. Paul Savardi taught me that. And um, now my mindset is, let's just measure the outcomes. At the end of the day, at the end of the week, the end of the year right now, what were the outcomes that happened? And the thing I'm most passionate about, my own existential process is, why did I start this company? We just released a new video on this. What does growth mean? And, and to me, it's, I started this company to, to coach my kids' teams. And I, and, I, and I was able to do that. So no matter what happens, this was a successful business. <laughs> it doesn't matter if I have two days a week where the office is empty. Could I have made a little bit more money? Yeah, but that's not why I went into my business. If I had gone into business just to make money, then yes, I would be squeezing everything I can out of every dollar. Do you think you would be where you are today if you would have started your business journey with the mindset of uh, work to live instead of live to work? If I had started with it, not in New York, it's not yeah. the culture. Yeah. I, mean, I worked for, I, I lived, you know, for 25 years, you know, Saturdays were normal. There was going to be work on Saturday. It was just what kind of work can I do and where? We didn't have remote at those days. You know, tax and audit season, it's, yeah, every night. You just hope it's not Saturday and Sunday. Mm. That wasn't going to be an option. In the South, it's very different. I'm a big fan. We had a choice when, 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 we, when we left Insperity before I started Growth Force. I could have gone back to Long Island where my parents live. But we just thought, you know, this is it's a totally different way of life. And that has allowed me to achieve the company goals of, you know, you leave work at 3.30 or 4 o'clock to coach, your, coach kids. That's kind of normal, you know. And up north, I would never get away with that, nor would I let any of my employees do that. Hmm. How do you, if you're, if someone has that live to work mindset, how do you get them to come to the realization, in, in, at, least, at least at Growth Force, to yeah. get them to come to the realization that they don't have to be 
always focusing on work. They can focus on finding yeah. the perfect life. Great question. It's it's about a cre a it's about recruiting, right? You have to have the behaviors that are successful for us. Accountability is an important part of that, if not mm -hmm. the most. And so you measure outcomes, though. Like so, what you're looking at is you know we follow the EOS entrepreneur system. Uh, from traction you know what are the 10 or 12 metrics that are critical to success get everybody focused on that if you hit those numbers it all works and so you know the the for for me it's what's more important is you know employee retention is number one client retention is number two and increasing leads at the top of the funnel is number three those are the only three goals we have in our company in that order and so if we hit those three things everybody wins if 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 your area is not hitting it, then guess what? We're going to be looking a lot more closely about you're in the office every day because we're not hitting your accountability numbers. Do you recall where how you built those numbers, uh, those basic standards? Yeah, I, 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 I we met on it today. Um, you know, we're you're looking at it all the time. It's a week once a week we 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 meet and then once uh once a year we kind of evaluate what what those numbers are. And I, I literally did that today. So it's um, it's it's you know it starts with the the most important number, which is employee turnover, then employee engagement. In fact, here, um, and then well, and then it's that. Oh, here I'll tell you what it is. It's the activities that cause profits, right? What are the activities that cause profits? And it's not just sales first, right? The biggest hidden cost in a service business is employee turnover. So your first focus is going to be on level of engagement of your employees. You know, we're doing a net promoter score for our employees, uh, you know, beginning of November, so that we'll have the results by uh, our, our year-end retreat in, on December 3rd. That's number one. Number two is um, you're looking at um, employee turnover, right? How many people have left and employee engagement. That's what I meant to say. So, so you know, are we, are we, um, are we getting, you know, people to answer our surveys? Are they helping out with, you know, podcasts or not podcasts, uh, procedures. You know, what are the things that we're hoping our employees will do with their discretionary time? How are we How are we doing with that? So that's employee engagement. So those are the two for HR. The two for services, um, attrition, client retention is our second goal. So we look at what percentage of losses. Then you look at the any upselling with the clients. Did anybody ask for additional services? And, you know, we have to increase scope. And then we go to sales. What's the activity that's driving sales? What's the number of new leads? What's the number of proposals and marketing? How many new contacts come to the website and how many are good ones? And then our whole onboarding process. We have a great centralized onboarding. It's, a, it's our magic show. You got 90 days to go through a machine. How many people are successfully going through that? Now, now those numbers, those, those minimums, those, um, those gauges, were those numbers that over time you saw, hey, this is where we're hitting, these seem like good numbers, or they set numbers that from networking, from events, or you knew that, hey, we should probably be hitting these numbers as we're growing our company. Where did those numbers come from? I believe in raging incrementalism. Okay. What does that mean? It means that every month it gets a little bit smarter. Like if you're if you're if you're making it, you, you start with what are the decisions you're trying to make? I, I've looked at thousands of businesses and figured out the ones that are the most profitable and identified the course decisions that you got to make. You work backwards from those decisions to look at what are the drivers of those decisions. Right. And then you look at what data do you need to track? So it's kind of built over time and experience. Uh, what do you feel has been one of your biggest hurdles in building your your, your brand? 
Well, competition, you know, every CPA now says they do what we do um, because the technology makes it easy for them to use bill.com and pay bills. But the, um, the, the big differentiator for us, you know, we do two things really well. We do service businesses and nonprofits. Why did I choose those two over time? Because payroll is the biggest expense. And if you can track and allocate your labor costs based on the activities that each person performs, magic. Now I can show you profitability by person, profitability by customer, profitability by job, by what industry is more profitable. And now you can make data-driven decisions. You know, getting that message out is the challenge, right? Because most CPAs are like, yeah, I'm going to do your bookkeeping and your taxes. And there's no real advice. They're not experts in growth. They're not really, you know, they haven't built, they haven't, bought and sold businesses or grown businesses or, you know, they've been, the CPA industry has been focused on compliance. I know I've been very active in the Texas and Houston CPA societies. It's all about tax and audit is where we grew up and just adding new technology to that doesn't mean that they're real advisors. So that's kind of what, what our role is to help you grow the bottom line, not just the top. How do you push your message out there? I mean, I know you're doing the podcast, you have your podcast, yeah. What other avenues are you pushing the message out there? Oh, we're we're we've got a lot of great content. So, we have uh, you know we have four. Uh, I'll just talk about four profits since that's your most entrepreneurs. We have four pillars of success: growing your profits, improving your cash flow, reducing your risk of fraud, and automating the back office. Those are the four pillars that Growth Force does. For each one of those, we have a webinar, we have an ebook, we have slide shares we have we have calculators and tools that you can use to increase profits and improve cash flow and all the things that are necessary for success and then you subscribe to our blog and you can see the lessons that we learn every week from our clients about how to improve profits increase cash flow reduce risk and automate your back office and let's say we're talking in five years from now how yeah. do you feel steven and growth force are gonna grow and expand by that time well, I just turned 61 last week. So now you're talking about 66 years old is about the point you say, okay, I'm over 65. What do I want to do with this? God willing, I'll be healthy and get to have that opportunity. But uh, to me, what's really important is, you know, I want an exit. I, I, I will, I will not, um, you, you know, I, I, when I built the company, I built it to sell it. <laughs> I just was hoping to have a nice run for 20 years and, 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 and I, I feel really lucky to have be in the seat right now. But the key to exiting your business and having the highest valuation in a business is the people strategy. Um, your, you know, the companies that have well-defined uh, goals, they've cascaded those goals down to the teams and to each person. And each person has a line of sight to what the success of the company is and what it means to them both in their pocket through profit sharing or bonus pools, some kind of incentives and rewards for success and their own personal development growth because people leave companies because they don't have a career development plan. It's our, it's our need for, for learning and self-esteem and self-actualization. So I hope that we will have, uh, my mind's eye has a clear vision of what that human capital strategy looks like. And I hope that uh, that will be a strength of ours, which will help us have not only a higher valuation, 
but it means that our people had a really good experience for the next five years, right? Because we were really good at people management. And the reason why acquisitions don't work is because the two cultures of the companies don't align. Hmm. And so when people join, when they get acquired, if your leaders leave because they're not aligned with the culture of the purchasing company, then it really just, you lose the identity of that company. It just becomes more clients that get absorbed into the other business. And, I, and I, I'm committed to that. I'm feeling like that I know the leaders that we have today and we're building for tomorrow, um, you know, we'll, if we, by, by investing in their development, we'll sell this to a place that will re re value that skill set. So does that make sense? Did I answer your, your questions? Yeah, no, you're asking point. questions nobody's ever asked me in my life, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing, right? It's great. Not what I expected at all. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, if if let's say you're talking to uh, a, I mean, let's say you're talking to yourself, that that young CPA that just got out of school. I mean, what piece of advice do you think you would give to that person? Well, I'm gonna piss off my CPA friends, um, and I have a lot of them. <laughs> uh, I would tell you get your CMA instead of your CPA, right? Okay. CPA was gold. See, the only reason I got to be the chief financial officer of Amnesty International, an $18 million organization at age 29, is because I was a CPA. I could have been from Ernst & Young, but if I didn't have the CPA, the board of directors like, he's gonna be the CFO? He's barely, he's got pimples. And um, that opened the door and, and, and I got to stay in that door. So I think that's really valuable to have your CPA. But the industry, its focus is on tax and audit for so long. It's hard to find a lot of management accountants in the CPA firms. And management accounting, I have learned, is really where you are able to make data-driven decisions and add value as an accountant. Instead of just filing reports for somebody to put into a folder to say, okay, yep, I got the balance sheet. Now you got, you're looking at things when you're trying to make decisions. And that's what management accounting is all about. So I would tell somebody younger that, you know, that pursue the IMA or the CPA, or I'm a member of the CGMA, the Certified Global Management Account, which is part of the CPA industry, uh, sorry, the CPA, AICPA organization. So I'm, you know, that's one avenue as well. But no matter how you get it, management accounting is much better, more value, more satisfaction with your life than financial accounting. Well, I'll finish it off with this. I think you gave so many great nuggets out there. If someone's listening right now and they go, you know what? I could use Growth Force. What's the best way of them finding you guys, going to your podcast, your webinars? What's the best platform? Yeah, the best way to reach me is email Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, at growthforce.com. Um, our website is growthforce, is G-R-O-W-T-H, force.com. Uh, I'm Stephen King CPA on LinkedIn and um, Twitter, S King G Force. But um, the website's got a lot of uh, resources and from the lessons that we've learned to help you be able to get your own path to profits. And that's our podcast, Path to Profits. So you can Google that up too. Appreciate it. Well, thank you, Stephen, for being here. Thank you for all your your great nuggets. Uh, hopefully, everyone listening got some some I mean good information to walk away from. I mean, I think we. We try to step for that dollar and we forget about the quarter they're walking over. I mean, find out, know your numbers, and you'll be a lot better off than you are today, tomorrow, and the next day. Thanks, guys. Please subscribe. Please share. Go find them.
Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.